This is Office Hours. I'm Ernest Wilkins. And I'm Alex Menokel. Okay, Alex, today I'm really excited because we are going to do an audio case study. Alex, today I'm really excited because we are doing another one of our patented audio case studies. Audio case study, that sounds exciting. Yes. Uh, For those who haven't ever listened to previous episodes of Office Hours, the whole gig around this is we are the intersection between culture and business. And so what we like to do for our audio case studies is identify a brand or business or an organization that has cultural cachet, but may not necessarily be sticking the landing when it comes to business. And that doesn't mean necessarily that they won't always, but it means that we're just identifying opportunities that we see that we want these brands to get involved with because we like the brands. Totally. We it's like, to, yeah. it's like a uh, business role playing a yeah. little bit. Like, uh, yeah, it's literally just like armchair. It's armchair strategy. Yeah. That's what we're doing. I mean, all strategy is armchair strategy. <laughs> this is, shouldn't be a secret to anyone who's worked with a strategist. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got the armchair. You got it's. Remember uh, Masterpiece Theater with Alistair Cook. Yes. <laughs> or or Monsterpiece Theater with Alistair Cookie. Okay. The Sesame Street version yes. of it. Anyway, the the guy starts out the show in an you know a wingback chair by a fireplace. He's drinking. Got to be cognac. I don't know. But he's like, she's she's Masterpiece Theater, <laughs> and I am Alistair Cook. So this is this is case study. This is case study theater. Yep. And, and you know, listeners, yeah. please call in and tell me how, how great that impression. How are they going to call in? I don't care. Somebody might not listen to this until call. like next November. Like what it'll is, be like Thanksgiving weekend. They're at their house. They're bored. <laughs> they're tired of talking to their family. We're their only escape. They're driving <laughs> to, to the jewel for the fourth time of the week. Uh, somebody's just to get out of the house. Somebody's going to do a case study on us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And how are they, do. What do you mean? How are they going to call? And we're oh, we're office hours. <laughs> we're office. We're, hours. They're just going to they're going to call Spotify headquarters. Yeah. They were like, hey, uh, Spotify, um, this podcast. They told me to call in. I don't know where, so I called you, and then Spotify will connect them with us. It'll be a whole thing. I just don't want people to have to go through that. Anyway, if this is if that's you, um, <laughs> don't call. <laughs> We'll find you. How about if, that? If you're reaching for the phone right now, yeah. I got bad news for you. There's yeah. no number. Yeah, so, so before, right before we hit record and started, uh, by the way, this is a, a strictly a one take operation. Yeah, we're we, literally like Drake. Like we pull up, we just execute, and we get out of there. Exactly, exactly. So right before we hit record, and you know, I, I always say, always have a tape running. All you mm-hmm. just like Jack Black says, you got to catch that inspiration. Yeah, it could be in the air anywhere. You could be. We, if, if you don't catch it, what happens to That's it? That's true. That's why they always say, you know, keep like a pad and a piece of paper, or I'm sorry, a pen and a piece of paper next to your bed. So if you wake up in the middle of the night with an idea, jot it down. That happens when I'm like in a creative mindset. If I'm working on a story or mm-hmm. working on something creative, I will, it will kind of stick in my mind and I will like literally mm-hmm. wake up and write stuff down. But yeah, that's not all the time. I'm one of those people where I, my brain does like the shift where it'll be like, okay, you have to be on from. Like 10 a.m. to about I'm good till like 2:45, 2:40, 10 to like 2:45, 3 o'clock. I'm like all killer, no filler. Like creativity. Yeah, works. I'm a late lunch person. Like I don't the the noon lunch thing isn't for me. Like I just want to get it done. But that's my most productive period, right? Mm-hmm. So then you take a break, go home, eat something, have time with the fam, and then I go like night shift. And so night shift is like anything after like 9:30, 9:45 until I go to bed. 
And unfortunately, just because I've been kind of crazy with a bunch of uh, fun projects going on, bedtime has been a little too late. Uh-oh. How, how late is too late? Like one thirty. Whew. Yeah. Ah. Oh, yeah. my God. Ah. I'm getting too old. I, I can't even fathom doing that more than, <laughs> more than once in a month. My I thought can. process is this, right? I feel like if I do it now, hopefully I'm working to a point where I don't have to do it later. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, all I can think of is is the the for me the presence of a very young person in the house who is going to be awake. Oh yeah, at the, six. The kid, the kid changes every, everything. At and uh, so it's like you're on six. Boom, you're. It doesn't. He, he he's like, it's this is like the in Goodfellas where they're like burning down the restaurant. They're like, <laughs> they're like you made a deal with the mob here. They don't care if you didn't make your money this month. Give us, give us our money. Yeah, give us the like, money. Give us, it's, the kid is like that. He doesn't care if I was up till one thirty. Yeah. He's like, give me my breakfast. So the kid. So you're saying Whatever. children are the mob? Exactly. They are one hundred. This yeah. is a one hundred percent perfect analogy. Anyone with a child just is a going to ruthless gang. They are. They just. They're like a force of nature that doesn't care about your personal. It's really shit. one of the interesting things, and we can get back into it. But one of the interesting things I see about friends who are parents is like the slow like decline of them like having a sense of fight <laughs> right like i have friends who i'm like i've like gone to war with in like bar fights and like house party fights and i, I i'm sounding like i do a lot of fighting but this is like a, a small <laughs> period of time in like the early 2000s like crunk music had just came out we were just we were, it was a lot like have you ever listened to nuck if you buck what um, okay that's the song of the week <laughs> ladies and gentlemen the song of the week this week is knuck if you buck by the uh, immortal crime mob i'm just that's a spoiler alert um okay so like seeing these people who are so hardcore and they have these kids and the kids just beat them just well, beat them down. Hold, hold on let me give yeah. you just alternative perspective I'm, I'm here i'm ready here's an alternative perspective part of parenting is getting your way without fighting mm. and there is a real uh jujitsu style art to managing that where you don't want to make the kid feel like the kid is in an argument mm. and yet you want to get your way right and I, i'm not saying that your friends are doing this to you but it sounds like they might be getting their point across without fighting mm. potentially oh so they're just like okay so they're I, not they're not tapping out they're just being strategic i i think it's just another way of it's it's fin- it's, it's finesse versus power. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that okay. uh, that that might be what's happening. And I have to say, just having every day, like twenty times a day, trying to get somebody to do what I want them yeah, to do without sure. you know them knowing it. Yeah, you get good at it. Damn, that's. <laughs> See, this is the best part of this thing. It's like culture. See, we have conversations about culture. Um, so, so here's a here's yeah. a conversation that I wanted to start out with, and this uh, I want to start here because you know the thing that we're best at mm-hmm. is segueing. Yeah, and so oh, yeah. I think it's good to let's let's get on to third base here. Let's, let's do it in the purely baseball sense. Let's get on to let's get on let's get close <laughs> to the where we want to be, and then go there. Okay. All right. So so if you could. Um, if say you're an artist, I am an I, artist. Yes. You, you are, you are an artist. I am an artist. Okay. So yeah. you, um, you are at uh, day one of mm-hmm. uh, professional artistry for sure. And you get to the first thing you do is rank, uh, your attributes. Oh yeah. Okay. So you, you, you got your timing. Yep. Talent. Yep. Luck. Yep. Quality of your work. Okay. Did I already say talent? Yes. Talent and, uh, promotion. 
Okay. Okay. You got f- those five things. Yep. What do you take as uh, number one? I guess the one that most represents consistency. Quality of the work. Quality of work. That makes sure. sense. I would that say that's sense. that's the most important thing. That makes sense. Yeah. That that is that is yeah. I believe the correct answer. Yeah. Okay. So so yeah. you you got to have the quality. That's like the without that you're nothing. Yeah. Right. So so using rankings as a way to identify quality is really funny because today we are talking about one such ranking. Yeah. This is the segue. This I was is, talking you, about. you nailed it. No, no. Trust me. Like I'm I've been on I've been on since Jump Street. I understand and I appreciate you, sir. Um. So this week we'd like to talk about the double XL freshman list. Double XL freshman. Yes. List. So now we're we're going to begin the case study, and basically what I'm going to do is assume the role of let's call it the marketing director for XL magazine. So this means that I am the buck stops with me, basically. You're the guy making the decisions about how how this thing is going to be run. One hundred percent. So so do you want to give us um like a lay of the land, like what? this thing is what it's about For where sure. it came from so double xl magazine is i would say probably at one time was the preeminent kind of hip-hop publication in america i don't know about internationally but it's very interesting because they had a nice run in the late 2000s i would say where they became kind of like i said the it's, I was literally about to call them the source but the source is their, the competing <laughs> hip-hop the publication source, that was number right. one forever and ever um but basically they have kind of built a lot of goodwill within the hip-hop community around the creation of two things i would say um i think in the mid to late 2000s when editor-in-chief uh elliot wilson who was you know head guy there and now is over at title i think he had a foresight to be able to take kind of blog culture which was preeminent at the time like this is an era still where like you had a blog and you were the only person writing about detroit hip-hop you know or chicago hip-hop like you know andrew barber fake show drive and these are guys who were putting stuff out on the internet on cdrs on mixtapes and then people are reviewed like like by the blog era that's influencers reviewing music on blog well they became influencers right i think it was just people that were talking about music they loved right right Right. and with a passion and an understanding and an intelligence level that allowed for different conversations to be had around this one thing and i think we take it for granted now because twitter you can have i feel like you can have like an entire message boards worth a week's worth of message board content in like three hours on twitter and so as people who ingest so much and I, you say people like myself, because, you know, a lot of people who are now writers or people who are in the world of creative creativity in any sort were people on these blog platforms, on these message boards talking about this stuff. And so a lot of I would say some of them then became those bloggers. And what was yeah. your personal role? Like at that point, were you a blogger? Were you, were oh, you- at that period of time? I mean, I was working. So I was still in college for a lot of it. And so college was street team stuff. Um, I would work people's campaigns. Like I was in Tallahassee when T-Pain popped off mm. and like distinctly remember being in the club. Like there's this club called the moon in Tallahassee and <laughs> it was known on Wednesdays to be known as black Knight. Hmm. Yes. Black Knight. That's when you wear your white socks hat. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's what they meant by that. Um, but <laughs> on one of said black Knights. I remember distinctly like walking into the club and T-Pain was standing outside with 
a bunch of guys that he was in a group with. Was, at the was time. he wearing his hat? He, this is pre hat. Pre hat. This is pre hat. This is pre hat. Um, and so like passing out a CD. Now bear in mind the CD had like some of his most famous songs now on it. <laughs> so like I'm in love with the stripper was on it. Um, like j- just classics bangers off his first album. Cool. And so I remember like I would never forget this. Somebody like he gave it to this girl and the girl looked at it. She's like Ugh. made a face and like threw it down. Damn. And then like eight months later, <laughs> he was like the hottest rapper in the world. It was so funny. Um, but to that point, I was in that era, like doing a lot of street teamwork. Like I was dabbling in the industry, throwing a lot of parties, um, really nerdy stuff, doing improv. Uh, I was, man. Shout out to Oncoming Traffic. Um, it's funny because. But your group was called Oncoming Traffic? It wasn't my group. I just joined it. Yeah. They've been around forever. They do this thing every year where it's like a. A 36 hour show straight awesome yeah shout out to them um but shout out to all of improv <laughs> meanwhile when i wasn't embarrassing myself right. in public i was or getting drunk at football games sorry mom um i go seminoles go knows go knows <laughs> go knows um i used to just be on these these message boards mm-hmm. and i think contributing I, reading no just reading oh my gosh i didn't a blurker i was a nerd and so like I don't have any sort of like I was like, oh, these people are so cool. And then what Double XL did that I thought was really cool was it kind of took a microcosm of some of the, the blog names and the people in MySpace, <laughs> this MySpace era, who were super cracking or interesting or had cool projects that were just cool and they had them all in one place. So the Double XL blog mm-hmm. role was like all of these great people from all different parts of one culture. Cool. Right? And I think it was the first time I saw a publication do something like that that resonated with me, obviously, because I was the target demo at the time. And so I say all that to say that the culmination of this was in 2007, the double XL freshman list drops. And the whole thing about the, the it, first one, the first one. Yeah. Okay. So this is 2007. And the whole gist about it was this is their This was them kind of and remember, they're like a national thing. So like people you get this at Walmart in you know Mississippi and basically these artists this is the first time a lot of these artists got that national look right and because they have it's like 10 i think they, it's not always 10 but the, this time it was 10 and artists on the cover you know so it's your first real introduction and because they were smart about it they took rappers from all different kinds of spectrums around hip-hop now i think at first there was a lot of just talent where it's just different cities you know like a lot of times you'd see these covers and it'd be all artists from houston mm. all artists from mm-hmm. Atlanta. You're talking all, about just on yeah. a hip hop co- yeah. uh, magazine cover. Around this it's time. Just, yeah. Right. Or they're and all signed is... to the same label or they're all in the same crew. It's kind of like a lot of homogeny, uh, mm-hmm. homogenization. Sorry. And basically what it would be really interesting to me was always the fact that these people could not be more different in a lot of cases, but also all were just supremely talented in their own right. So it was kind of cool to be like, oh, these, this is like the best of the best. Now, a lot of them had already been signed uh, to major labels. So I think that's another thing that helped because it basically became kind of like, you know, the young talent spotlight for a lot of these rap labels or these major labels who signed this rap talent. Um, But I also think there was enough independent artists, at least, you know, in the beginning where you had kind of this diversity. And so for me, it was like so sick because the artists that we were talking about on the blogs, you know, I might read you know, in a blog from a different part of the, the country, like the Bay or like the Martorial list, who is like the, one of the best rap bloggers on the earth um, and learn about that stuff. But now this is the first time you actually got to be like, Oh, this is this person. 
Right. And so that was 2007. And it's been rolling up until this most recent year. Well, currently 2019, the list dropped, I think, about a month ago. So now I guess I guess what I want to I'm thinking about here is 2007. That's the first year. And that to me, that's interesting that that that's when it started, because at that point, there is a approximately, I guess, give or take, depending on where you start, mark the beginning of hip hop. There's a Mm. full generation yeah. of people who've grown up in the hip hop era, right? right? These are so the people on this on this list are people who who were probably born in the midpoint of the hip hop era in yeah. the in the early 90s, right? For sure. Well, no, I would say I think there's a lot of artists cuz the other thing is it's not like an age thing. Like right. there, there's acts who are probably a little older that may not necessarily have gotten the same level of like promotion on a national standpoint. So this is like their first national like coming out party. Okay. All right. So it's not like a strictly for young. I think it is now, but I also think that that's the product of becoming an institution. Like the freshman list became a thing where some people were really excited to make it because it became something that was prestigious. Right. And this is when, uh, when hip hop, start like a lot of the institutions that you think of as endemic and key to hip hop started. So um, I would say 2007, probably if we're tracking it against the long curve of hip hop history, 2007. uh, Yeah. 2007 was pop because that's okay. When was the Grammy? The Grammy, which one? The The, first one? Best. um, You talking about Will Smith? That was like 89. Was that 89? Yeah. Um, Really? Yeah. Jeez. And then like none for like the rest of the time. <laughs> Until like 98. Um, but, but it wasn't there a category? The category, yeah. I think the category started in the late 80s, early 90s. But then there, like it was weird or something. I don't I don't necessarily know okay. enough to say confidently with the gotcha. Grammys. Gotcha. I'm just thinking yeah. about institutions around hip hop. Oh, for sure. Like, there, the, so this, I would say to that point, and I, I understand what you're getting at. In my childhood, there wasn't a way to necessarily have a, a collection of hip hop talent that wasn't like a mainstream Snoop Dogg level um, pop kind of crossover. And this is the mm. first time I think a lot of people saw some of these artists. So this is like a buzz driver because for a lot of times this is the first time even people in the hip hop community were hearing about some of these acts. And so it led to a lot of widespread buzz, but also you saw these acts kind of become the next generation of hip hop talent. And I think it also cross references a lot with 2007, which was kind of a pivotal year in rap from a standpoint of the shift in terms of the culture. I mean, I can't, this is speaking generalities cause we're a podcast and we're trying to get through it. But <laughs> 2007 was the year that 50 cent and um, Kanye West kind of had their battle as okay. it were. Right. And so to that point, Kanye won his sales out. He's outsold 50 like and a lot of people kind of mark that at least a mainstream like rhetoric rhetoric like when they do like the 2000s like mm-hmm. I'm sure ser- I'm sure that's the hip hop part. They're like Kanye versus 50 was crazy. Um, Kanye's set out selling 50 kind of marked a sea change and like people say like, you know, that was the day like gangster rap kind of died. Um, and, you know, this like weird rap came through. Avant-garde. Yeah, it, it's all <clears throat> just rap, but people like to. You know, I mean, Kanye's beats were legitimately insane. different. Yeah. Than, yeah. Well, one, also, so was the subject matter. Right. Sure. But I think people need to be angry about something. And that's the other thing that this list allows. Mm. People now have another opportunity to be mad about things that right. they don't. Like. Well, and this is another thing. It's like there is like oh, compare and contrast this with uh, Rolling Stone and rock and roll. Right. Yeah. It's like Rolling Stone exists to uh, to keep 
uh, baby boomers uh, appetites for Neil Young, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, uh, the Rolling Stones, yeah. et cetera, like established artists al- alive, right? Yeah. To feed that appetite. Yeah. And not to not necessarily to be like more like Spin Magazine, yeah. which was about like, what is the next new Indie thing? stuff, yeah. I would or, say or the du- zine or the zine scene. I would say the source in that case was Rolling Stone and Double XL was Spin, I okay. would say, in terms of like bringing that sea change. So in the years past, a very, I would say, Hall of Fame level. Hold on a sec. A very Hall of Fame level amount of talent have been named Double XL freshmen. And so, for the sake of those who are up on hip hop, I kind of want to run through some names of previous freshman nominees who you may recognize. Um, so, there's. Oh, there's a ton. Yeah, I mean, Lupe Fiasco, Wale. Uh, Kid Cudi, Mac, the late Mac Miller, J. Cole, Nipsey Hussle, Freddie Gibbs, Big Sean, Wiz Khalifa, uh, Meek Mill, you know, <laughs> YG, Kendrick Lamar, uh, Future, Danny Brown, Macklemore, Machine Gun Kelly, Iggy Azalea, Schoolboy Q, Trinidad James, Action Bronson, Travis Scott, Chief Keef, uh, Chance the Rapper, you know, Ty Dolla Sign, Lil Durk, uh, Vic Menza. I mean, we can keep going like Vince Staples, you know, Anderson Pac, Lil Yachty, Lil Uzi Vert, uh, 21 Savage. You know, uh, all of these names that if you aren't <laughs> up on rap, I just sound like I'm making up like a name generator. But these are all <laughs> fantastic rappers um, who have all really had tremendous success in the rap game. Now, the thing that's most interesting to me about this is this this list kind of is the only real documentation we have other than like print magazines unless you kept them all of like what was the buzzing acts at the time remember mm-hmm. like mtv2 in the 90s you had the little green like buzzworthy sticker on the side they had the buzz bin right the buzz there was bin, the, yeah. actually the buzz the first time right. the first buzz bin video i right. saw was literally smells like teen spirit exactly. adam curry being like we got this new thing called the buzz bin you know, I yeah. mean, like I, I think these channels are always trying to find ways to elevate, like to, to try to get below the the uh, yeah. mainstream. Well, you want to be know? subculture, right? Because subculture is cool to a lot of people. If you grew up, you know, right. all you know is Kokomo from you know, the Beach Boys. Oh, like, gosh. can you imagine seeing like That's NWA it, for the first whenever, time? Whenever I think like, what if John Lennon survived Right, like, and the Beatles reunited in the eighties. Mm-hmm. I think, fuck that, and listen to what the Beach Boys did. Yeah. Fucking Kokomo, look at the Grateful Dead. Yeah, it'd be terrible. terrible. Touch of Grey was a banger, though. Um, <laughs> I actually, I, <laughs> just so you know, yeah, nobody has ever, ever called Touch of Grey a banger. Do you know so why? Con- Touch of congratulations. Grey. Do you know, you know why elder millennials like that song? Uh, why elder millennials like Touch of Grey? Because. I don't know. It's cool not to dye your hair. Mm-hmm. Why? Pop up video. Pop pop pop, pop up, up video. video. Yep, VH1. That's the only reason I know about a lot of music <sighs> is because of pop up video. Lots of facts. That's, that's um, great. Shout that's out to great. the internet. But, I mean, <laughs> all right. But all right. So, I mean, so, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So here's the thing. What's happening now, and I think this is an issue that happens with any franchise. After a while, things start to get kind of dry. Sure. And so what I've noticed, and I think I'm not the only person who has noticed this, is that the double XL freshman list, as times change, it still reflects, I think, to an extent, popular young rappers that people haven't heard of, mm-hmm. youngish. Um, and so 
to that point, it's doing its job. But I think where they're not sticking the landing is a lot of people have kind of associated X double XL itself with that lit that list, and that's it, right? Gotcha. It's, so here's, here's we're getting into the case study. Yeah, we're getting into case study now. Yes. So so the, the the problems that we have right now are a couple. So number one, I would say brand relevance outside of the freshman list has fallen a little bit. I would say that you know you see if you're on the internet, you see people kind of making fun sometimes of double XLs like tweets. Um, they mm-hmm. seem kind of tone deaf. They seem kind of porny sometimes, which is weird. Did you say porny. Porny. Yeah. Porny. Porny. Yes. Okay. Um, and I don't necessarily think that it's something that reflects what the potential possibilities could be for the brand. All right, let's 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 stop on that point yeah. real quick, yeah. and then maybe go back to the other two you brought up. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, so just uh, thinking about the relevance of XXL, like, is XXL a little bit like? Uh, has it has its product? the the freshman list kind of eclipse the magazine itself 100 percent. okay so xxl is like i would say it's the most relevant thing they do all year okay so i mean a lot like i'm thinking about like are there ways for them to pivot from being like maybe the magazine part of the business becomes not as not as big of a part of the business and they more or less exist to promote the freshman so I agree with you. And so to that point, you said to yourself, my first issue is if if the brand itself lives and dies by the support and the buzz garnered around the freshman list, institute the freshman list in multiple times of the year. Right. So not necessarily saying we need multiple Hmm. times a year. We need a freshman list. But you do say, okay, treat it like any other race. Treat it like NASCAR. Say, you know, this year we crown the following, like have the list drop in January. Like the, the would yeah. you do a a long list, short list winners sort of no, thing? No, like, I wouldn't like do that the, at all. I think the issue like right that. now is that, and I'll get to this point in a second. But the issue right now is it comes out in June, and by the time the worst of the world, who is on so many projects and so many albums and so many releases over the campaigns of like the campaign used to be like a, a six month thing, and now it's like a six day thing. You drop your album, boom, 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 oh, you're done. Yeah. And so by the time the list actually comes out in June, people were kind of like, well, these artists aren't necessarily as young and fresh as they used to be because by then we've already seen them drop a project, a mixtape, being on two features. You've Mm. seen them all over the place. They're Mm -hmm. on a Spotify playlist. So like they're not new. And I think what's happening is as people who are active in the, and again, I'm, I'm definitely on the curve towards more of the inter, like early adopter side. So I can understand that like for a lot of people, the still mainstream relevance of, Hey, I've never seen this person before. is still a value. What I'm saying is I believe that you can get more squeeze out of this list by dropping it earlier in the year and culminating in June still. No, okay. I would say you drop the list in January. Okay. And then at the end you have check-ins. Gotcha. So you say like, okay, Checking in on a freshman because it gives you it gives you a news peg for the entire year. Mm-hmm. You started your year off with the most the biggest thing you have, right? Mm-hmm. So you can work around that. You know, you probably have a first quarter budget that's going to be the biggest budget you have all year. You know, allocate that towards booming this thing up because you come at the end of the year. You know, you're kind of wrap, wrapped up. It's Christmas, but it's also like, hey, here's something to keep interest wet. Started in January, promote it, but then do like a check in. And the way you do the check in isn't, hey, we're going to check in with these artists who you see on TV every day because you don't have to check in on them. You do a show. 
Yeah, I was just going to say, though, the words that were about to come out of my mouth were XXL freshman stage at mm. X-Fest. So know? check this. Now, this is something that's interesting around that. They do do a concert. They do a concert when they announce the, you know, like within a couple of weeks of announcing the list. It's in New York, um, I think, every time. But I think what I didn't know was, and this is a fun little behind the scenes thing. So XXL is owned by Township Media, I believe it's called. Yeah, Town Square Media. Owned by Town Square Media. It's a media um, conglomerate. They own a bunch of radio stations, a bunch of brands, um, and they do some events. And so they have one of, I would say, probably as a media organization, have one of the hottest properties in music, period, but don't do much with it on the event side. So you say to yourself, okay, cool. You know, and what I think is interesting is they have kind of. And when I say they, I mean the media company, they have a, a grasp on a certain demographic. They do a lot of country stuff, um, a lot of pop, like radio, like the best hits of the 80s, 90s and today, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the hip hop kind of aspect of it isn't well represented outside of double XL. And so I think it's a very interesting idea to say, like, OK, if you have this list, what does it look like to leverage the rest of the arms of your media business? to support this concept because I think let's be realistic. If these acts are brand new, they're not going to draw by themselves on a tour. Right. Well, they, well, here's something I'm thinking about is that there's, they, they probably have had the opportunity to do something like what you're talking about, yeah. but I bet there's a ton of obstacles that yeah. like those guys are maybe already have tours planned or already yeah. prior engagements. They all have their own management. They all have, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think like I think, there's gotta be a way around that. I think there's a way around it by kind of presenting it as a package. So you say to yourself as the, in order to become a double XL freshman, this is the criteria. And I think there are certain artists that are going to be um, saying no, but I think that's already happening. There's because the list of people who have turned down becoming freshmen is almost as impressive as the list of people who have said yes. Sure. I mean, so, so there's people who've just said no straight up. Like I can, I, so notable artists that I know of that turned down being a double XL freshman, um, Nicki Minaj would be probably a huge one. Tyler, the creator. I know Earl sweatshirt, young thug, um, Sheck West, Juice World, Lil Baby, like people who are all pop post Malone said no. I mean, they could conceivably this could be a tiered thing where like Nicki Minaj, a XXL, a double XL yeah. uh, honoree, but not a uh, fresh. Uh, well, that's fresh, the thing where it's like, at, at what point do you say, like, OK, we're just kind of honoring. We're just kind of doing a show. I think for some of these acts necessarily, <clears throat> it makes sense to tour together. And, and OK, here's a question. Mm-hmm. Is it does it have to be an in-person live event or could this be a like some kind of streaming package well right, like a, that. a content package so it already exists okay so check this so what they do right now is i think kind of let me explain the rollout real quick so the rollout kind of looks like there's a voting campaign which i think is kind of weird because there, it's really widely bootlegged like it's a very frustrating situation that every year you, you hear a story now where somebody has found the freshman list Oh. And it's on like somebody's like uh, notes app <laughs> and it's not real. <laughs> it's not accurate. People go crazy for it. And that just speaks to the level of respect that this, this thing has um, or attention this thing has. But basically the voting campaign is like vote for the 10th freshman or something like that. And they put a list of artists and it's like six pages long. And you know that I guess after a while you kind of learn that like nobody on pages is one, I'm sorry, two through six has a chance. They're just on oh, there. Yeah. Um, so it kind of it gets interest, but it also like 
is a way to just kind of drum up free promo that kind of feels kind of spammy. Is it? Is it? I mean, is it a planned leak? No, no, I don't think I don't necessarily. I think some people. I think there have been planned leaks in the past where like people who are going to be nominated are like, "Hey, here's something to keep an eye on." But I don't think any of the ones that I've ever seen have actually ever turned out to be legit at okay. all. Okay. Um. So then that happens, and there actually was an an article uh, a couple of years ago about a guy who was scamming people with like, "Hey, if you give me money, I'll get you on the double XL freshman list." Ah, <sighs> he never called me. <laughs> The heck <laughs> yeah i'm sure that's, I, that sounds like a terrible scam yeah it sounds like it was but then so they do the announcement cover here's your people here's who's going to be in it it's so exciting um the concert happens in a couple weeks after they announce it and then they do these things called a cypher a cypher you know what a cypher is no okay so a cypher i guess the, I mean, i'm trying to think of the easiest way to explain it it's a bunch of people freestyling in a circle okay so that's it it's like, um, a, like a old-timey <laughs> Old timey folk music fiddle circle, but with freestyle. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking. Yeah, yeah. Let's just go with that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But basically, they this is like the debut, and so for a lot of people, this is the first time they ever even see these artists. Not only as like artists, but also as rappers. Like you've never heard this person rap before, and so what undoubtedly happens is there's an artist who was picked because they have like a weird lane or something that isn't a traditional kind of sound, and they present themselves. And people react very negatively. Well, this guy sucks. Oh, what a trash. And and it's a little bit of fossilization that happens because people always remember their childhoods being better than they were. Uh, yeah, right. I can see that. Like you, you or the over things. Yeah, the you over romanticize the culture. Like everybody, Joe was so right. good. You try to watch some of that stuff Horrible. now. It's unwatchable. Everybody's generation was the best generation. Everybody. Or whoever was the most popular person in the world when you were 12 is like, you're like, there's nobody better. That's why, like, Eddie Murphy coming back out is so crazy because ah, I was like, Eddie Murphy. Did you, did you watch that? Loved the it. Comedians in Cars? Yeah, oh, I did. So, so great. I don't think it's going to get received Ed, well. Eddie Murphy has, he was, he's like, oh, yeah, I talked to Ronald Reagan mm. about that. Oh, yeah. and then I went and got on a jet with yeah. Michael Jackson. And uh, yeah, but he's like, everyone in the 80s had the, something the rule to about, do with. The rule about name dropping is if you are famous enough, people forgive you. If you if you have oh, to be one hundred percent, but the thing is, it's like I want to know about yeah. what Michael Jackson said to Eddie Murphy about the monkey. Yeah, and yeah, I want to know about what Sammy Davis said to him. He's, well, like, the Satan thing is crazy. Um, <laughs> um. So, but going back to it, I think. But so, hold on. Yeah, yeah. He's got a point. What about Satan? No, we're not doing. No, 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 no. no. We can't even. Let's, let's just not. We got canceled. It's our show. We get canceled. <laughs> we're gonna cancel yeah you're gonna cancel speaking yourself. of cancel this is the oh, last thing i'll say about that i think that i think that it's gonna be poorly received he's doing stand-up again uh, eddie murphy is? yeah he's gonna do a stand i think he i th- again i this is a this is a forecast oh, i think he's gonna the netflix deal there's no there's a reason he came back on that platform i think they're gonna give him the bag i think he's gonna do a stand-up performance and i think it'll be the last like yeah. It, it, I mean, it is a new era. I think it people is are a new era. You go back not, and watch. You go back and watch Delirious. Yeah, you or can't watch, yeah, and you're Delirious. just like, ooh, like forty percent of this is. I don't know if the comedy will be. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be like Delirious because I don't think he's that person anymore. I think no. it's him making really interesting gestures and like faces and voices because he's so talented. But I don't think it's going to be like the old eddie murphy i would want it to be you know what i want here's okay if eddie murphy is listening here's what you do <laughs> elvis the remember the elvis comeback special 
Yeah. Elvis's black leather. He's like taking yeah. requests from the audience. Yeah. It is just going to be Eddie Murphy sitting on a stool, theater in the round, yeah. and people just call out impressions that they want him to do. Yeah. It could be because you got to figure he's got to do at least a thousand impressions. That's so funny. God, I would love that. Yeah. Me too. But Eddie anyway. Murphy doing Bob Hope. <laughs> I don't think, yeah. Um, so the double XL freshman thing, going back to it. So I want to, I want to kind of come back and say like to you as a person who was a strategist, yes, this general question I want to kind of come to you with is what do you feel brands who live and die by, let's say cachet of coolness, authenticity, whatever, whatever youth related kind of, you know, brand identifiers you find, what do you think is the most important thing for a brand to stay relevant as they age, but also the demographic ages. Sure. And this is a really interesting question because like we were talking about, the double XL freshman list has become bigger than its parent. Yeah. Right. And that, so it's an institution unto itself. So to me, the question is how does it actually, like, I think some of the stuff we're talking about um, crosses a line between uh, like editorial and uh, promo uh, that you don't necessarily want to cross, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So for this institution to really uh, uh, go into the future, right? Like what does it take for the double XL freshman list to be around for the next 40, 50, 100 years, right? Right. Like Nobel Prize, like Pulitzer Prize, like the Grammys, like the Man Booker Prize, right? Um, To me, like for this to happen, it would have to... Uh, sort of metamorphosize into being like a magazine's list to being an, a true institution where yeah. there is an endowment somehow, like there is funding for this that, oh, wow. that is that goes on. There are uh, there are judges who are not uh, essentially unbiased who are who have a set of criteria, okay, right where they are like they actually def- define what they are trying to achieve right. with this list. Um, and then like it, it is something different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that is one path. I think it could go down. Like, I, I think that that takes it away from being a media property. Right. The other, I think more likely path is like, how does it become a more effective media property? Right. Right. Um, so there you, you get to thinking about like, again, what are, what is this, uh, list trying to achieve? You really want to get to the core of that. If it's about elevating the next, generation you want to i think think about what is the current landscape for hip-hop like a lot what is defining that and then what is what is the antithesis of that that the youth represent because um hip-hop like punk Mm. right is uh it's an art form that has to tear itself down and recreate itself right totally right and punk essentially did that to the point where it went from being the ramones and cbgb to or the slits or something like that. I like to being, uh, you know, blink one eighty two, mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. there is still a level, there's many different levels of punk. It's there's sub- many different levels of hip hop. Yeah. But if, if the, the role of the double XL freshman list is to say, who is the, uh, who, who is another tier of artists who you may not, who is, who's not mainstream enough for you to have heard. Right. Uh, but you should hear them because they're doing wonderful art. Great. Right. If they are trying to say, who has the potential to become a mainstream artist. That's mm-hmm. a different list. Right. Right. So I think to me, it's a visioning exercise um, and really saying like, what 
is this list trying to mm-hmm. elevate? And it, there may not be one answer to that. Yeah. But then also, I think like like getting bias out of the picture. Yeah. So that people don't look at the list and say people like, just hate because they assume that it's like, well, the assumption is these are all paid for. I mean, right. that's, that that may be valid. I don't know. I mean, like, yeah. like, like, just knowing what I know about the way that music, the, the music industry has a well earned reputation, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I'll say yeah, exactly. That's a right? yeah. That, that's for sure. So, so I think, like, do you want to be like lean into that and say, like, okay, we are a promotional vehicle, yeah, right? Or yeah. do you want to say, no, we're we're bigger than that. We're the Pulitzer Prize. We are something that you are going to have on your resume yeah. for the rest of your life. If you stop doing hip hop right now, this will still be in your obituary. So I think you're ahead of the game by like a long time, because I think what's going to have to happen in order for the scenario you just described to come to life is that hip hop music will be looked at with the same level of respect. And it's not going to happen anytime soon, but the same level of respect and the same level of um appreciation as jazz right well, no you don't want it to be jazz no, 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 you but don't I want it jazz yeah. is like a jazz is an art form that uh well it, it's almost like it's not this isn't poetry no, or I'm jazz in, in or fine sense, art i'm in in the sense of like people who have a lot of money respect it yeah but it's like string yeah. quartets 100 like, well even right. that like i just think of jazz because i think like i've encountered a lot of people who don't hang out with black people that only listen to jazz and so it's kind of a weird like juxtaposition for me because it's like wait <laughs> so you don't and like hey jazz directly influence, uh, influences hip hop same way blues directly influence rock and roll and you have people that are willing to do that but they don't want it unless it's like I don't want to say safe or like more respectable or something like that like I feel like yeah. it needs to become like a prestige thing and I think that'll come with time well the thing is jazz like jazz is no longer of the moment right like jazz is a is an art form that is somewhat uh, it you know it was invented had its moment mm-hmm. and was an underground thing at some point right. became mainstream and now like you said is sort of like the kind of thing that you know white dudes put on on the in their yeah. in their Audi right, right? you know <laughs> yeah uh, hip hop is totally different hip hop uh, well, is wait we're, I, th- I think right? we're look at the I think it's a time thing because I think that. I think rap music didn't become like capital P pop music. I think there was like outliers in the nineties, but I think the late nineties, early two thousands is when rap music became capital P pop music. Well, yeah. When rap music started to feature, okay. Remember good vibrations? Of course. Yeah. Good vibration. Right. Like, so that formula where it was rap and then, uh, that was like, that was like how all of the legendary rock acts just started like their first two albums. It's just them covering blues songs. A hundred percent. Because it's just like, all right, well, here's how to get people. Here's to this listen. music you like, but not by the people who make it. I gotta say there's something to it because having gone through the experience of listening to early hip hop yeah. as somebody who had never heard rap music. Yeah. Uh, the parts of the song that sounded like a song to me were not the rap parts. Right. I was so like, what is a that? very fascinating cultural thing that I didn't like. I've heard that stereotype where crassly put, I would say that it is black people listen to the words, white people listen to the chorus. And I think it's interesting because that's kind of what you're saying. <laughs> right, right. I thought the entire song was, it takes two. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Like that makes so much just, sense, actually. I don't know if it's a black people, white people thing. Uh, yeah. and there's a lot. I don't of know. I don't know either. But that was the way it was phrased to me. Um, I think that it's interesting because, to that extent, the idea of what is something 
that is a legacy, right? Something that's like an institution. I think the level of respect has to be paid to make it an institution, right? And well, so, but this could be the thing well, agreed, that agreed, makes agreed. it that that brings rap music to that, right? You know, I think rap music at, at a certain point is we're at an age now where I think rap is about to be like fifty years old almost, and so what's going to happen with that is kind of the look back on the early era, and just like with any early era of something, I think people are going to be a lot more romantic about it because they live through it and it reflects on their upbringing right and so mm-hmm. just like any other nostalgia i think people are going to be you're already starting to see it with like the classic hip-hop stations like remember hip-hop wasn't old enough to have a classic station in the 90s oh, now right. all the classics are songs from the 90s and I, the 2000s i gotta say yeah. i listened to what is it 104.3 yeah <sighs> in chicago yeah i gotta say like as a guy who's been pretty checked out of popular culture yeah. a lot of the time it's like i listen to that and i'm like damn what is this yeah. oh this is so good and it's you know, it's, it's like tipsy from Jaquan. Exactly. I'm what like, a hit. What, uh, I, I have no idea. But it's something that I definitely should have been aware of. And yeah. just wasn't. Um, so to that point, make it a legacy. Make it something worth subscribing to. Make it something that feels like a prestigious honor. Um, and then from a monetary perspective, get some touring around some of the lesser known acts. Kind of like a as a you see labels do this all the time. They'll send an act that's like developing out on the road with a more seasoned act. And I think there's an opportunity there where you say, okay, we know, let's say we're going to have two people who are signed who already have like a program together, have an album coming out, have some buzz. Those people take the other freshmen on tour. Mm. It's a tour. But the thing is, if you are a double XL fan, you're like, oh, the double XL freshmen are in town. Cool. Here's, you know, six artists that collectively could not fill, I don't know, a 5,000 seat venue by themselves but collectively can definitely move into a bigger room, which allows mm. for a greater return on investment from a tour perspective cool. Yeah, because you're getting the bang for your buck. And I know we, we didn't even touch into like a lot of this stuff around kind of how to activate it online. But I think, well, that yeah. is actually just, sorry, just now that you bring it up. I mean, like the idea, a, you talked about the, the blog era, rap music and the internet are like this. I'm doing this that thing with my fingers. Yeah. They the connect, together. The, yeah. The, I mean, the rap, web. That rap music is not is again unique in in American music mm. because of that relationship with the internet. Well, so I think I think using that like as a core piece of this and not saying like it's just like where there's going to be a tour over here and we're going to have a Twitter thing over here and a whatever over here. You know, it's like let's think about the internet as where this thing happens, mm-hmm. the core of it, because I think that's where the biggest audience for it is. So you say internet first. I'd say like just assume that's where you like that's where most of the people are going to be interacting. So with, with that assumption, do you think that the online reach will be bigger than the print reach? A hundred percent. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, what's easier, going yeah. to something on your phone or going or subscribing to a print? Oh, magazine? I'm a, I'm in agreement with right? you. I just want to know because I think they also are one of the only few brands that still have print. Yeah, I mean that's a really expensive way to get people to look at your ads. That is a really yeah. expensive way to get people to look at your ads. That's a good point. I mean, if you, uh, so, I don't know what to yeah. tell you. Like, it's like I think, frankly, any magazine would make a great YouTube channel. I'm gonna have to reflect on that. I'm gonna have to reflect on that. I'm gonna. We're gonna come <laughs> back to that. I'm gonna that come back the, to that because I think you may have just come on stumbled on something. But folks, guess what? That's this week's episode of Office Hours. What a great episode. What a great episode. I mean, this is, and I just love that, you know, we had a little summer break there, came off of it, no rust. 
No rest, baby. No rust. We back out the We're bench. Shiny. Look, come back like- in. It's all that was all star break. Now huh. it's time for the playoff run. <laughs> Um, we're excited. Um, if you've listened to this podcast since the beginning, we appreciate you all like me, I think, and like two other people. Um, thank you to everybody who has been supporting us over the, this whole period of time. We're so office hours as a concept is about six months old. Um, so we're still a long way to go, but so far, you know, I've been really happy with everybody's support and love and we appreciate everybody. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Um, and until next time, this is Office Hours. My name is Ernest Wilkins. And I'm Alex Menocal. <laughs> Goodbye.